Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, Kendra, welcome to the show. So happy to be here, Michael. Thank you for having me. We have New York and Los Angeles on the same line. I mean, it doesn't always happen that we're on the same page, but here we are. And I'm (laughs) I'm happy about that. (laughs) That's a good way to start. So there's many things we can talk about because your work's very interesting. But I want to start off with a bit of an anecdote that captures some of your thinking. I was working with a um, very senior female executive in wealth management. And I've known this lady for maybe 10 years. I worked with her when she was doing an MBA at Harvard Business School. She joined a major consulting firm. And she's had a pretty tough experience being an immigrant and so on. And one of the things I've noticed about her is that when she makes career decisions, she always assumes that she has to suffer first. Mm. And that's the story she's told herself because that's her life experiences. So she has condensed her life experiences into a memory that she has captured as a story. And every time we, we set out a plan for a career, she just assumes she's going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And she puts herself into roles where she suffers because that's the story in her mind. Mm-hmm. And then she triumphs. And I know you're a big thinker in this area, but maybe for our audience, let's start there by telling people the power of stories and why they need to understand the stories they tell themselves. I mean, you can see it right there as you briefly talked about this woman, right? And because she has, because she's collected stories from her experience that were, you know, centered around suffering and and that's, they're not untrue, but the internalization of those and then projection of them forward is dictating. So these stories are dictating her future. And, and I suppose the question is, does she want does she desire a future that is always filled with suffering or is she someone who is who is searching for it to be smoother to for it to be difficult but not to suffer and if she's the latter of the two if she's like why does this always have to be so difficult that answer is as you said, it's in the stories that she's telling herself. And the same is true for all of us. I would say we as humans are storytelling creatures, including the stories that we have playing on automation in our own minds. Now, this lady didn't know she tells herself these stories until I extracted it from her. Is this common where people play these stories, but they have no idea they're playing a record on loop, loop, loop? Yes, they have no idea that this is happening. And actually, it's a pretty rare thing that somebody else would even see that in them and call it a story. So the fact that she had you as someone saying, I think this is built on your the story you're telling yourself was really valuable and also rare because even, I mean, A, it's very difficult to see our own stories. They are so integrated. Again, they are so automatic. They're so invisible. They're so a part of who we are that our stories don't look like stories to us. They are just our life without any disciplined, without any disciplined approach to it or, or 
looking at it, that's we can completely overlook it. And secondly, we're, you know, we're blind to our own stories and we often don't really realize that other people are a big mass of stories as well. So the fact that you're able to point that out to her, extract that for her was really rare and valuable. So let's unpack this for the audience because we have a pretty global audience, CEOs, uh, senior partners in consulting firms, financial services, and so on. Most of the people in our audience, they do not have the time to focus on what we call these, I don't like to use the word soft issues, but I can't think of a better word because I don't think it's a soft Mm -hmm. issue. To me, it's a hard issue. Mm -hmm. So they don't ever think about the stories they tell themselves. So the audience, explain what is a story and how does it originate? Yeah. So, and, and I love, you know, it's, it's true. We always think of, you know, we always push away the soft skills until they're the thing that we can't figure out why we're not moving forward. And we're like, remember those things that you thought weren't so important? Turns out they're extremely important. So essentially uh, stories as we know them, of course, there are outward stories, stories that we tell in business and presentations and sales and marketing, but our inward stories are are the way that we make sense of our place in the world. They are a subconscious collection of sometimes our experiences. Sometimes these stories are handed down to us as the way that things should be. And because the stories are the way that we learn, um, and you know, I'm sure you You've heard storytelling in business that mm-hmm. is, you know, that's how we create compelling messages. That's how we connect with people. Well, the same is true within ourselves. Stories are extremely sticky. They're very memorable and they stay with us. So what I experienced even in my research as I was as I was writing this and, and putting this to paper was people being shocked at the detail with which they could remember events in their life, stories in their yeah. life that that were even, you know, they were minuscule in the grand scale. It, they weren't shocked that they could remember their wedding day, but they were shocked that they could remember somebody making fun of them in yes. second grade. And so, so it's just an example of these stories are extremely sticky. And because they are... Because we have been telling stories both outwardly and inwardly since the beginning of humankind, it is the reason our species evolved. It is as natural and unnoticeable as the breath in our lungs and the blood in our veins, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, it is, it is happening whether you know it or not. And, and so that's my hope is the very first step is to build awareness of this. If there is... If you you're feeling a glitch, you're feeling you're you're stuck, like something isn't quite right, no matter what area it is in your life, chances are it's the stories you're telling yourself and you don't even know it. Yes, I like that. That's very important. It's a good foundation. I'm going to unpack that for the audience so they can use the valuable insights you're giving them. So firstly, something happens in our life, right? Something mm-hmm. happens whether we're five years old, six years old, it doesn't matter. Something happens in our life. Based on the way we have been brought up, we interpret what happens in our life in a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like the Mm -hmm. second step, you interpret it. Then you give it some meaning. Mm -hmm. You decide it's going to mean something good or something bad depends on the way you're brought up. Mm -hmm. And to build a memory, to take some lessons from it, you build a story around it. Mm -hmm. You then archive that story. Mm -hmm. And then every time something similar happens or it evokes a similar emotive response, you pull up that story and say, this is the story of my life. 
I don't need to think about it. I've been through this before. Let's just follow the story. It's gospel. Is that mm -hmm. a good summary of what you're saying? Yes, it's gospel. And that gospel then dictates what you do next. Right. So, so for example, I know a gentleman who grew up and uh, found success in a lot of different things. Like he was pretty good at school, pretty good at sports, pretty good, you know, pretty good at a lot of different things. Yes. And anytime he would experience some of the success and remember he's a kid, right? He'd be really excited about it. And his family would say, his parents would, would say, well, don't get too arrogant. Don't get too, don't let yes. your head get too big. Like, Hey, don't get so confident. So, and, and so here he is this, he's hearing this message. He can remember specific successes and exciting moments in his life where something happened and this was the message he got back. So he, yes, he internalizes it. It becomes a part of his existence. And over time, how does that express it? How does that express in his life? And more importantly, influence the way that he behaves. And so when he needs to assert his ideas in a meeting at work, well, what does he do? He, he, he holds that back because he doesn't want to sound too yeah. confident. He doesn't want to sound whatever. And so you can, you can watch this, this fits and starts that keep him at the starting line instead of progressing down the path, all of how, all because of how those stories have intertwined within the makeup of his entire psyche. And then yes, affect the, his behaviors moving forward. So when I was reading your book, Choose Your Life, Change Your Stories, actually going through the exercises because I always find that's the best way to understand the author. Mm -hmm. And I actually figured out there was a story that I used to tell myself. And I was actually very proud of the story, to be honest. And I'll tell okay. you the story because it'll help. Because I was a management consultant for a very long time. And I was actually the youngest partner ever in my firm. And I always used to work harder than everyone else. So if people were taking a weekend off, I would be at my desk in my room at 10 a.m. working until 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And if a presentation had to be done and handed in by 11 p.m., I would work at it till about 5 a.m. Mm -hmm. I would send in a copy, work further and send in an advanced copy. What I'd learned and what I taught myself is that I always have to work harder than other people. And actually came up with a rule for this, which is, be prepared to play an extra time. You know, in a sports game, the game gets to the end, but then they have extra time. And then I mm -hmm. glorify this and said, yeah, I'm like some warrior. I can always play an extra time. And what do you think happened to the rest of my life? No matter what happened, I always set it up such that I was playing an extra time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what that means is I'm actually working 30% more than most people, even though I don't need to work 30% more than most people. And I turned this into something to be proud of. So a disability became something I'm proud of. And it's only when I started thinking about why do I follow this story that I realized I shouldn't be part of this. I shouldn't be telling other people this because it's my story. It's the wrong story. And I need to think about, isn't there a way to finish things faster than working 30% extra? <laughs> and can you imagine how many people are proud of things that actually hurt them because they've given the story positive meaning? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is, this is actually something that never comes up in conversation. So I'm excited to, to talk to you about this because there was a time when that served you, right? Like yes. that story of I'm going to outwork and, and you were, you were younger, working your way up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so some of, so that's the strange thing. And, it, and that's something that's really important as people 
begin this journey um, to self-storytelling is to know the beautiful thing about stories is they do shift and change and evolve over time. They're as fluid as, as humans are. And so a story that served you when you were younger can turn sour over time. And that can be extremely disorienting, yeah. even more, more challenging than a story that has never served you. Right. Because yes. then it's really obvious. Like this has always held me back. This has never gotten me where I want to go. I need to, I need to fix this story. Uh, but a story that used to serve you and no longer does, yeah. that is, that's, that's a really, that's a lot harder to, to manage, but the, it starts as, as we talked earlier with the awareness for you saying, hold on. So tell me this, did you realize, did you have this realization about that story as a result of reading this book or had you already had that realization and the, this message confirmed it? It's a bit of both. I'll tell you where it started. Mm -hmm. It started because what had worked for me before was not working. Mm -hmm. And I could feel that it wasn't working. I could feel that there's a disorientation in my life all the plans, everything that I knew worked, had this blueprint for how I'd run my life, which was very successful in the past, allowed me to retire very young and so on. When I'm applying the same blueprint today, I'm tired. Mm, it's not yep. the same energy levels. It's almost, you know, when I was reading your book, I was thinking maybe the reason people have a midlife crisis is because the stories are out of sync. Exactly. I, exactly. We have solved midlife yes. crisis, Kendra. Can you believe it? I really, it? you Just know, one podcast. I, I can't. It is so crazy because I was just reading a book this morning that was talking about the midlife crisis. And I made a note in the book that said that exact thing. It's when these two understandings, yeah, when the story that used to work and the story that you haven't work. created yet now, when it, when they're, when they're out of sync and that's when, and we think that everything has to change and, and we have to upend, but what if you were to just change what the story of what counted as success or what if you were to change the story to you know i can get so well just as you said i can get so much done in less time than yes. anybody else does and would that story? and then you could go back and find instances in your career where you actually you got it done better and faster yes. than anyone else and and, and you could use that to say, yes, this is, I'm going to remind myself of this story. I'm going to remind myself of this story. Anytime you feel that, um, that out of syncness between the old story and where you are right now. Yeah. And I think what worked for me and what I've coached other clients to do is that because we have the story, we've developed certain habits. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's two ways you can do this. Do you change your story or do you change your habit? And in my case, I just was about to do something very big based on my previous story and said, I'm not going to do it because it's driven by the old story. And I don't think that story is working for me anymore. I need to pause this purchase for at least a year, figure out what I really want my life to be like and see if this same habit is what I'd follow with a new story. Yep. So what we, our tendency is to address the habit first, to yes. change the behavior, to look, to look at the action. And because action is so obvious, it's, it's right there. It's the thing that we do. It's the choice that we make. It's the, it seems like 
the the point of forward motion. Yes. However, if you are if you're if you're if you're stuck with it with an action or if let's say you're feeling stagnant and there's there's action and behavior you know you want to take but can't bring yourself to doing it or if you're continuously if you have habits that aren't serving you behaviors that are not great the first step is to look at the look at the stories yeah. that are leading to that habit or inactivity it could be one or the other and then adjust the stories. So for example, and again, this can, this applies to all areas of life. Here's one for health and fitness. I, it was December, 2020. I wanted to start working out again, 2020. I know it's like a four letter word, but it's numbers. And so I just, I was like, I'm going to do this, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get the behavior. So, so I started doing the things that you would think that you do. I, I made a playlist because I have a spin bike out yeah. in my, so I would make a playlist, but that wouldn't get me to do it. I would lay out the clothes, but that wouldn't get me to do it. And I was deep in the research for this book. And I realized I've got a story problem here. And I started paying attention to the stories I was telling myself before I was intending to work out, but didn't. And some of the stories were, well, you know, I'll just work out later today. I can work out later. I'll, but that was a lie. I never worked out later. There were the, there were stories of, well, the things that I needed to get done first, kind of like we're talking about hard skill, soft skill. Well, sure. Okay. There are a bunch of work things I needed to do, but if I never go exercise, that's going to catch up with me. Right. So I had, oh, and then it was the kids and I need to make sure that they're taken care of. It was a Sunday morning. And then I watched as my husband threw on his shoes and his running clothes and just walked out the door and went for a run. And that made me even more mad because now he just had no issue. Like there was no story barrier for him. So then I start telling stories about he, you know, oh, of course he yeah. can just, which I knew that was a stretch. And so I stopped. None of these stories, none of this thinking and none of the, you know, little like, oh, I'll, I'll set this up or I'll, I'll put it on my calendar. None of that was working. And the stories were definitely a problem. So I stopped and said, okay, what are three stories I can tell myself of that will inspire the behavior I want to take? And so I told myself the story of a wedding I went to a couple of summer, summers earlier when I'd been when I'd been in really great shape and felt so good, like from the inside yes. out. I just felt so good. I remember exactly what I was wearing. I remember the shoes. I remember this woman actually came up to me at the wedding. We were out on the dance floor and she said, you are just the most radiant woman here. And it had nothing to do with my actual physical yes. appearance. There were plenty of beautiful people at this wedding, but I just, and then I told myself another story of, a, of another event and another time where I'd been very small stories. Like I told myself the story of a guy I dated decades ago. And I remember when he picked me up for our first date. I like this. He just, yeah. He just looked at me and said, wow. And at the time, again, I had been running, I'd been swimming. I'd made myself and my health a priority, which is what I was trying to get to yes. in December, 2020. And I couldn't get there. All this manipulation of the behaviors and the actions and the habits, I was making zero progress. I'll tell you, Michael, three stories. I was out on that spin bike. I did an hour long workout. It was amazing. I felt so great. And it was so easy to do once I used stories to inspire the behavior yes. or the habit. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. And it's interesting how you already have those stories. You just chose not to remember them until you yes. started to analyze yourself a little bit. Well, they're, and always that's the, there. they're always there. And that's the really, that's the other really important thing that I want people to remember is all of these stories, all of the stories you need are already within you. And again, they can be really small stories like like the yes. guy opening the door and seeing me, you know, 20 years ago, that was enough to be like, oh, I remember feeling that good, you know, and, and they're all, they're all there and they don't have to be big, but they do have to be chosen. You yes. have to actively choose to tell yourself those stories because that isn't going to be your subconscious default. It's going to want you to stay in place. It's going to want you to keep doing what you already know. So if you want something different, you have to, you have to intentionally choose different stories. I'm glad you went into this direction of intentionally choosing stories. Because when I was reading your book, you have a chapter, I think it's chapter five, about where you analyze your stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was analyzing my stories and the stories of my clients as well, because I do this for my clients as well. And I was thinking to myself, Okay, firstly, I can have a good story or I can have a bad story. But what is a bad story? Is there any such thing as a bad story? Or is it me giving it bad meaning? Yeah, it because there, there can be good in so bad many things. stories. Exactly. Yeah. And then I was yeah. thinking further, okay, why do I give this story a bad meaning? Like, for mm-hmm. example, let's assume I had a bad interaction with someone. Why don't I tell myself, okay, this person taught me how to deal with someone who I don't necessarily like. It's my first interaction of many that's going to come in the future. Why don't I thank this person? Why don't I have some gratitude for this person? And then I was thinking, well, what drives me? And I think to myself, I read somewhere in some book that all humans have certain basic needs that mm-hmm. they drive to us. And I think to myself, what is my need? Do I want certainty? Am I driven by significance? Do I want to care for the world? Do I want to contribute for the world? So clearly I have some need that's making me do things and making me interpret the world in a certain way. For example, if I'm someone who wants significance in the world and people don't treat me like I'm significant, the story is always going to be bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if I go to a restaurant mm-hmm. and they don't have my table ready, my previous reaction would be, well, I'm driven by significance. They don't think I'm significant. So I'm never going to go to this restaurant again. And then I've given that interaction a negative story rather than saying, okay, they're busy. Maybe I can do something good for them and be nice and wait. And then I have a positive story from that. And I think one of the things people forget is that the stories they choose to have, you know, we talk about good and bad stories, but there's no really bad stories. If you think about it, there's always some good in it that you can take out of it. Yeah. I think that is one of the most beneficial, powerful, beautiful things about seeing your life in stories is and understanding that they are your stories and your perception of those stories. And, and yeah, if you, if you like hanging on to that angst and that anger and that feels good to yes. you and that serves you yes. and, and what you're, what you're trying to do, then again, by all means, but yeah, they're there with every story, every negative experience there is learning, there is growth, there are lessons and, and there's an opportunity for, to be grateful for those things if you choose that. Yes, that's true. And I also took that even further and I said, okay, what about the people that I've impacted because of the stories I've told myself? 
And I was thinking, because I don't, I never had a close relationship with my parents. And I thought, well, I wouldn't be the person I am today if they were not like that. And I should actually, if I'm going to blame them for everything that went wrong, I should also blame them for everything that went right. That's a fair distribution of blame. It's only fair. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. I, you know that not many people think this way. Like you are, this is, but it's such a, it's such a liberating, it's such a liberating thing. Now, it also doesn't mean that you have to um, sacrifice yourself or your no. self-worth for, just, you know, interpreting things in a different way. Exactly. And, and allowing that, that, and there's just so much, there's so much freedom there. And once you realize that this is about your stories, your interpretation and the way you, the stories you choose and how you choose to see and experience and use them, your the way the world affects you changes yeah because no to start you, off with. <laughs> you, you yeah because you can see well now this is an interesting i am curious to see how this story plays out right like what and like oh i this last night my son was having some a hard time with his math homework now i should say my son is really good at math and i've yeah. never had to look at his homework ever in my life. And so it was a pretty shocking experience, even for me as a parent to hear him struggling with this. And he was just, he was just struggling. He was mad. He was getting very emotional about it. And uh, last night before bed, I said, can we, can we talk about what was happening? And he, you know, he was explaining how it's just so hard and how it is. And I said, well, my son, you know, that a story that you have is that you are very good at math. Um, and it's true. Like that is a true story. You are very good at math. So when math is hard, it as we were talking, like it yeah. challenges, it challenges that story that you tell yourself and you can get really mad about that as he was. And it was, it was ugly. It wasn't pretty. Or we can see it as an opportunity to say, well, this story is taking an interesting turn. Mm -hmm. I must be, this is not what, this is not how the story usually goes. I must be growing. And so you can be in the experience, you know, trying to work through a math problem, but also on a second cognitive level, being an observer of yourself and witnessing this particular challenging experience as an unfolding story. Now take that perspective and apply, like bring it out into the rest of your life and the rest of the world. And you can see how the world won't affect you in the same way, because yeah. every one of these, you're like, I'm so interested to see what this story is. And I also think that we, we've come to a place because we have so much information at our fingertips at any given mm -hmm. time. Time, we think we know the story. Like we, yeah. we, we think we know what it is. We think we, and we've lost the art of suspension or, you know, as you would suspense as a yes. literary device, but suspension of, and curiosity that comes with that. Like, well, this is, let's see how this story turns out. Yes. And I think it's quite common, you know, because most of the people I work with are around 35 going into 55. And what happens when you get to around 40, all mm -hmm. the stories about every part of your life changes, the way your body look changes, the way your mm -hmm. career is progressing changes, your financial situation changes, your relationship with your kids changes, the relationship mm -hmm. with your spouse changes. And you got all these stories changing, it becomes such an overwhelming thing. 
Mm-hmm. So how do you recommend, what advice do you have for people? We've talked about how to be self-aware that you're using stories. And I think we covered that very well. You had very, mm-hmm. very good advice on that. What happens to people who now are aware their stories are changing? What should they do? How do they um, I know. And speaking as a person who just turned 40 in a pandemic year in New York City, you know, we all had like to have that. We were talking about the midlife crisis earlier. Like I am the quintessential, like I was in it, right? And going through going through all of these, all of these changes and trying to make sense of it. And at the same time, writing a book about making sense of the stories that you tell yourself. So it was so many levels of, of meta happening there. But I think the path forward for changing your life by choosing your stories is first, as we said, catching those stories, pausing the automation, figuring out what the stories are, because in this time of a lot of change, as you mentioned, there's a lot of overwhelm, there's a lot of noise. If we don't take a moment to clarify some of it, the brain loves that fog. It loves the, it just, it loves the noise because it, again, it keeps us in one place. And at least right here, right now we're safe. That's all the brain wants for us is to survive, to see another sunrise. So at least we may be confused, but we're safe right here. And then the second step is, of course, to then analyze where are these stories coming from? I realized, you know, as you told the story at the beginning of this conversation about the woman suffering, I realized that that was actually a story that I had for myself. Uh, I used to measure my business success because a lot of my work was, you know, I wrote the, I wrote my first book and I traveled around to audiences all over the country, all over the world, teaching the information from my first book. And so I measured my success in suffering, how many nights I spent uh, staying in a hotel, how many, the status of my frequent flyers, like this was like how tired I was, how, how disconnected I was from friends. This was how I measured success because that was what's was that those were all byproducts of my success. So when um, the, when March, 2020 came around, everything shut down, my of course, business was really uncertain right at the beginning, but as things transitioned to virtual, I ended up having my year 2019 to 2020 ended up being even, which in a world where you know my entire income is based on traveling and speaking to events and we weren't allowed to do that, mm-hmm. it was pretty, it was so dis- disorienting for me as I mentioned. And that's when I realized because that whole time I thought I wasn't being successful. The whole time I was filming keynotes from my bedroom, I was, you know, doing different uh, recordings, getting paid for all of these things, just like I had when I had traveled. I carried around with me a belief that was built on my stories of what success was that I was failing. And it took some time. It took seeing those two numbers side by side to be like, wait, that isn't even true. That I'm not failing. Where is this coming from? So that's analyzing um, the stories. And then the next part is to, again, I think this is where we need to find the power of the pause because I'm sure the people listening to this, they are action-oriented people. They want to do, they're ready to solve the problems. But when you're in this kind of place where everything has changed, the thing to do is to wait a minute and just see, be an observer instead of an actor and let 
so you can get a clear sense of what what you do want yes. so that you can then choose the stories that will get you there. So for example, back to this experience, in because I was grounded as a result of not being able to travel, not being able to pr- speak for live events, yeah. I developed some really strong friendships that I'd never had before because yeah. I could go to lunch. I could hang out for a happy hour. We could take trips with all of our families. And when events started coming back and I had to start booking travel again for, you yeah. know, as things are progressing, I was like, hold on a second here. And because the whole time, that's all I had wanted. Yeah. But suddenly it didn't feel right. I couldn't figure out why. And that's when I realized the thing that I wanted had changed. So now I need to tell myself different stories of what success looks like. It's no longer how many flights can I be on? How many events can I speak at? It also includes how much time do I get to spend with my friends and my family? But I wouldn't have figured that out if I hadn't paused for a second and said, what exactly is going on here? Yes. And as I was reading your work, um, one of the things I thought about quite carefully is, you know, where do those stories come from? And one thing I realized is, if you think about the world of management consulting, where we love to work long hours. When I was young, I worked with a team of hotshot strategy partners. They were the youngest partners, I think, ever in the firm. Very young, very successful. But they love to glorify stories of working late, mm-hmm. of flying in in the morning, working with one client, flying out the next day, working with another client. And what I realized is that it's not just the stories we tell ourselves, we sometimes borrow stories if we're part of the wrong network. And then we look at the fact that we admire these people. These are the stories they tell themselves. So shouldn't that be my story? Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking about that today because I've become friends with a group of guys and we always go to the same restaurant overlooking the beach and then I raised him and said, hold on a second, what kind of stories do these men tell themselves? Do I want my life to be that story? And then I said, hold on a second, I do not want my life to be the story. Mm. And if I stay friends with these people, that's going to be my life. Mm-hmm. And that was a very interesting thing because we don't realize the significance of the story and where it originates from. We always think it's us and our interpretation. But sometimes if we, if we admire someone and we want to role model them and they have the wrong story, and we sometimes pick up on that. And that can be quite debilitating. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's the famous quote that says you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, the quote is just a quote. It doesn't go any deeper into it. But the reason is, and yes, especially if you admire them, especially if you at least respect them, mm-hmm. there is a tendency to adopt or, again, at the very least, consider their stories. And I think that is, and and this is a very natural, this is a very natural thing that happens. It happens, it happens in social circles. It happens professionally. It it even happens. I mean, this is the thing that, you know, people scream about with uh, social media is we, we now have so many other people to compare ourselves with. I can compare myself to a legitimate celebrity superstar because her picture is right in the feed next to my picture. Like why, why aren't I the same as her and look at, she's so much better. So, so again, this comes back to, um, now there are times where using someone else's story can become 
motivational for you. It can become the story that helps you to keep going, that helps you overcome self-doubt. But when you feel that this story is souring, it's making you feel a little bit worse. If they're all glorifying stories of working late and you're like, I don't really feel like I want to do that anymore, but that seems to be the right story. So maybe I, right? Like if it starts to make you feel bad or even worse, if it starts to influence your behavior so that you start taking action that isn't aligned with your ultimate goal, that's extremely problematic. And so again, being aware of that all of this is happening. So you have all of your stories. They have all of their stories, each individual and how our stories all interact matters a lot. And especially for each one of us individually, it's really important to curate the stories you're taking in. Now, to this group of friends that you have. Had. I would, had. had to this group of friends, to this group <laughs> of friends that you had. I would say that if there were, if there were things if there were things that you enjoyed about them, if there were aspects of the relationship that did fuel you, like maybe, maybe they were, um, maybe they were really good at making time for leisure Mm -hmm. and, and the role of leisure in someone's life. They had really great stories of leisure and you're someone who's struggling with overworking. Mm -hmm. Some of those stories might be good for you to spend some time with. But, you know, yeah, when it becomes toxic, then that's when it's time. That's when it's time to go. And it's interesting you brought up the social media example, because we always hear the the terms echo chamber. Mm. What is an echo chamber except it's echoing the same story? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why we, we, if we like the story, we want to be with other people who like the same story and propagate the same story. So we feel good because we're part of a similar tribe. I think that one of the most important things that the storytelling approach to human existence, one of the most important things that it can create is an appreciation for all different kinds of stories. So that's why, that's why I mentioned like, Hey, you, there may be stories there that would be valuable for you to hear and for you to consider and to, to at least have in the back of your mind, as you're working through some of the things you know that you need yes. to work through and overcome. Think about the, so if we're always looking for the same story and we want to hear the same story because we like the story and we want to hear the same story, but if we start to realize how different stories actually can serve us in different ways, yes. it encourages an openness to hearing different stories and taking things from those stories and and those Yes. The people that are, that do this and see it this way, that's where we start to create a compassionate, understanding, global community. Because there is not a single, there is not one person who doesn't have something to offer or teach another, even if it is overcoming extreme adversity or whatever, whatever the case may be. I, there's always an opportunity to learn and be taught. Yeah, this is a good point. And I think we should just stay on this point a little bit, because the same way you should look at how someone who was difficult in your life contributed to your success, you should also remember that all stories have something to contribute to you. Mm-hmm. And you got to find the part that contributes to you because you don't know where good ideas will come from. But also, if you close off yourself to listening to other stories that are different from your stories, 
you eventually become someone who cannot, who, who's struggling to tolerate something that makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the worst place to be whereby you just, you can't, you know, you get anxious when you hear a story that you don't resonate with. You, you should be able to be in a position to say, okay, I'm listening to what you're saying. I don't agree with it, but there are certain things that I like about this. And I'm going to borrow those things. The other things I don't agree with, but that's okay. But I appreciate the fact that I learned these three things from this interaction. And people don't do that enough today. Nope, they don't. And and I don't think we're even given the, it's kind of like that the art of suspension has been lost. It's also the the art of, of and I don't even know that we really, I can't even think what the word would be is um, like indecisive, not indecisiveness, but like openness to not, definitively having the answer right there. It's set in stone. You will not see it any other way. You have to know what you think and how you feel. That does not, that doesn't allow then for additional perspectives. And so how do we ever come together if we're not valuing what different stories can bring? Mm, Yeah, Yeah, I also, you know, when people get to a certain age, they always feel like they know everything nothing's their fault. They are in this position because of society and they blame everyone. I mean, that's normal, right? As humans, we tend to do that. We think we've, we've done everything we were told we meant to do. We went to school, we did well, we got the right jobs, we're good people. So if I don't feel good, maybe it's someone else's fault. And I think what's, what's the underlying story is that when we talk about stories is that it sounds like it's a very simple thing that, that is one part of you. But if you really think about it, it's sort of the foundation of everything we're doing. Yes. And that's, that's the thing that we, we forget stories are, it is who we are. We're, I think there was a quote once that I said, we're not made of the universe. Isn't made of atoms. It's made of tiny stories. And yeah, the more that we see them that our lives that way, the, the, I don't want to say easier, but I do feel like it's easier. I think uh, you actually continue growing if you, yeah. That's the most important thing. People stop growing spiritually, intellectually at a certain point because they just listen to the same stories. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And growth is the most important thing because you can have all the money in the world. You can live a very nice life. But if you're not growing spiritually and intellectually, you feel something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And we're meant to grow. Like, you know, like, yeah, you look at the time lapse of the... I did a picture a day of the tulips that they plant in the planter boxes in one of the mediums in one of the streets in New York City. And they they plant these tulip bulbs, I think in the winter, um, yeah. and then they grow. And I took a picture every day walking by these planters of the tulips growing, 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 growing. And that's that's what they're supposed to do until they grow so much. And then tulips, you know, their lifespan isn't very long, then they die, right? And that's what yeah. they, but but like what, what makes us think that we get to grow, 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 stop, and then 40 years later die? Like that isn't, yeah. that's not- that's wrong. That's not how it works. That's just not how the like life happens. Yes. And I mean, we, I speak to executives all the time. And I, I know for a fact, the most common thing all of them tell me when they're unhappy with their jobs and their lives, it's almost never the fact that they're happy with their lives, but their job is going well, or they're happy with their job and life. It's always linked in some way. They all tell me the same thing. Uh, I don't feel like I'm growing. Mm-hmm. But I, I tell them, look, you're, you're being moved from country to country. You're given new responsibilities. You're obviously learning new things, but then they'll tell me, but it's not what I want to learn. 
And it's a very, very common pattern. When people feel they are not growing, they're automatically unhappy, no matter how much they're paid, no matter how much they will be paid, no matter where they're living, what car they're driving, no matter how much money they have in the bank account. And it's a story that they tell themselves that, well, this is it. I can't do anything more. If I look at every other executive, they've reached this point. It's my job to retire and go fishing. And it's a story they've told themselves that they can't grow anymore. It's such an interesting, because if you, so if you think about the crux of that statement, the, the, the kernel right there is that, well, that's not the kind, it's the judgment of growth. Yes. It's the judgment of growth. Exactly. Well, that's not how I want to grow. Well, that maybe you don't get to choose how you grow. Like growth is, so in this case, if your lack of growth is what is, has become your limiting belief and it is what is making you miserable. It's what is keeping you from whatever it is you desire in your life. Then the time, that's the time to go and take a look at the last week, the last month, the last three years, whatever it is, and find instances of you growing and, and tell, retell yourself those stories without the judgment of, well, that's not how I wanted to grow, but to, to be, because the problem here is I'm not growing. Well, these are stories of how you are. So even that right there of wait, wait, imagine, imagine because when you're, when you're a forward thinking person, when you're, you know, highly motivated, we often don't give ourselves credit for our stories. So this is one of the, one of the most important pieces of this is going back and, and giving yourself credit for the growth you've experienced. Again, remember, we don't see our stories as stories. We just see it as a life. And so if, if you're someone who's stuck right there, pause, go back, look at the last, go back and look at your calendar from five years ago or three years ago, and look at what you were doing. I guarantee you what you were doing on your calendar three years ago is different than Mm -hmm. what you're doing today. And you've grown, you haven't moved backwards. You've just not given yourself the credit for the growth or recognize the stories of growth for what they are. Now, now at least you aren't bogged down with, I'm not growing because that's not true. Okay. I've grown. And I want stories of me growing in this way. So then when you move forward, you can start, you, you, can, you can see at least where you are, have more clarity on where you are. And then as you look to the future, say in two years, I want to be able to tell these stories of what I've done. So I am going to take action with the hope of collecting stories that have this kind of feel to them. Yeah, I think that's right. That's very useful advice. I also think that if you feel you're not growing, nobody is stopping you from making the changes to grow in the way you want. Yeah, that's also, yeah, that's not. <laughs> no one's, no one's yeah. got you shackled to your desk and saying, you must only work on these 10 items every day. And if you find a way to grow in your new job, we don't want you to do it. No one ever yeah. says those things. No, that's but, not But true. again, it's an example of a story yep. that we tell ourselves to prevent ourselves from doing what we want to do. Uh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, it, because that becomes an external reason for it's the thing that you don't excuse. have. You know, yep. I use the term convenient excuse. Yep. A lot of stories we tell ourselves are basically convenient excuses. It's a self-soothing way to prevent ourselves from feeling bad. And you know what? Sometimes, Michael, I will say that sometimes you need to sit in that story for a bit. If, if things are all upside down and you just you need a week to sulk 
and think that it's, you need a day, whatever you need. Sometimes it's okay to like, let that story play out, even though, but, but the key is be aware, be aware of it. Be like, you know what? I know this isn't true, but right now I just want to sit here and feel like the entire world is against me. And tomorrow I will find the reality of the stories, but today, but again, it takes that you have to, you have to know what it is. And then I would venture to say, once you, once you put that name to it and it, like see it for what it is, you're not going to want to stay there very long. Nobody does. Yes. And I, I was CEO who is a very brilliant lady always says this in a meeting. She says that the past never happened. You only have memories of it and you choose to decide how you want to remember it, but it didn't happen. It's all gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Everything that happened before in your life is only a memory in your mind. Mm-hmm. And the way you remember that is through a story. So you decide how you want to remember it. And I, I like that advice because sometimes you get so caught up in something that failed a year ago, five years ago, and you, and you create these burning, stressful situations. Mm-hmm. And it just holds you back. Kendra, mm-hmm. thank you so much. That was one of the best podcasts we've done. I really enjoyed it. I think our audience is going to love it. You have a great way of teaching fundamental things. Oh, well, it, this was one of my favorite conversations. So I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm loving the work that you do. Thank you so much for having me. We should have had some red wine on the call. I, I know we should now. have. We should have. Yeah. Well, we can now. I mean, it's still pretty early there, but I, and I'm, I'm sure I, we'll have a follow-up conversation. So then we'll definitely get some red wine. Okay. Thank, that you, sounds thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.